on today's episode of All About Life with Danielle Brown. I don't ever want to feel like I don't miss my mom anymore. I don't ever want to feel that way. How in the world am I going to take care of my brother and sister? There's certain times in your life that the Holy Spirit takes over. Chris, you did something I don't think I would ever be able to do. I don't think I would have the strength. And I think most people would find that they don't either, but we will get into all of that. First, how are you? How is your wife? How are your two boys? Life is good. Life is really good. I'm glad to be home. You know, I'm on the road a lot. So whenever I'm home, it's it's always a good time to be with my sons. And we fell asleep on the couch last night together watching basketball. So it's good. I'm, I'm blessed right now. Everybody's happy and healthy. Oh, that's awesome. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. You just said you're hardly ever home. So what are you out there doing? Yeah, so the, the mission is pretty simple. I'm on the road as a, as a keynote speaker um, about 150 days out of the year. And so for me, that means with you know middle school teachers, high school teachers, or uh, speaking and reading to elementary school kids or speaking to a massive company like Volvo or um, John Deere, or you know Boeing or whatever it may be, uh, the mission that I have is unity. So I'll go around the country and share that mission. And so that's what I'm doing a, a lot of the days when I'm not with my little man, uh, my little men, I should say, yeah. and uh, my wife. That is awesome. Did you always foresee yourself being a public speaker, speaking to at this point thousands and thousands of people about unity? Was that always the goal or is this something that is completely unexpected and you did not see coming for yourself? Yeah, no, I didn't see this coming. Um, not at all. I think for me, the only thing that I wanted to do growing up, I wanted to play sports, right? I wanted to uh, be a baseball player. And then I wanted to also be an athletic director one day. I wanted to be in high school. And I remember like you can make decent money as an athletic director, be around sports, be around yeah. students and impact their lives. So that was my dream. That was like my dream job. And, you know, obviously things took a turn when I lost my mom yeah. and uh, still chased the dream of baseball. But mm -hmm. once I started to share my story and share my, my mission with people, um, you know, opportunities started to open up. And, you know, here we are today. Right. Lost your mom. It's been seven years. I don't have to tell you that, you know, exactly how long it's been when would you say your life completely changed? I will never forget your interview on the baseball field at CSU. You stunned the world, you know, the literally the world with your forgiveness. I guess let's just get down to it. How were you able to forgive Dylan Roof? Saying that name is hard for me. And I've heard you say yeah. it in interviews and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that wrecks me to even say that. And you found the strain and so quickly had that ready. How, how did you do that? Yeah, well, number one, I think we should uh, say that person's name, Dylan Roof, right? Some people say, well, Chris, why do you give him the time of day? Why would you even say his name? He shouldn't be known. But people forget that this is a real human being, right? He went to elementary school, just like, you know, my son's going, he went to middle school, just like we went to high school the same way we did. So a real human being. And yes, there's a lot of evil um, that was taking place in his life, but he was a person, right? And he went to school just like everybody else. 
And so I, I actually applaud you. Thank you for saying his name because people don't want to do that, but they should. To, to, so people realize it's a real guy. Yeah. Um, but as far as forgiveness, you know, I think for me, man, um, I'd be lying if I said I had the formula to forgive, like when I lost my mom. Uh, there's certain times in your life that you know, the Holy Spirit takes over. And even in the moment, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit taking over uh, in my life. But I realize now how powerful forgiveness is. You see, for me, one of the things that I believe in is um, forgiveness is, is uh, really like freeing for not just you, but for your family, for future generations. Yeah. And we don't think about that. We just think, oh, if I forgive this person, I'll let them off the hook. Or if I forgive them, then maybe I'll be better. But we don't yeah. think about your kids being better 10 years down the line because of your forgiveness or your grandkids one day uh, because of you sharing that power with them. So I think for me, uh, we've got to realize, number one, forgiveness. You know, Jesus said the, the perfect example of that. Uh, but also what I think is, is, is practical is that we need to figure out what's on the other side of forgiveness for us, mm. right? If we say we want to forgive somebody for, for doing us wrong or forgive ourselves for what we did in our past, mm. well, why should you? What's on the other side of it, right? If there's nothing on the other side, if there's no reward for it, or you don't say what the reward is, and do you really even want to do it? Or do you want to just say you want to forgive somebody? So uh, I realized on the other side of forgiveness for me now is not consistently thinking that you know, all young white males are racist because they're not, but uh, you have to forgive, I think, sometimes to be able to, to, to work through that. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Being on the other side of forgiveness now, what has that allowed you in your life besides that, right? Like you can look at white males and, and not see Dylan Roof and all of them, but what else has forgiveness provided in your life? Because forgiveness is hard to give in like normal everyday hurt situations, but to the magnitude of like how much forgiveness you're having to give, like that's astronomical. So that's a hard thing to do. What is it provided for you in your life now? Yeah, for me, one of the things I used to struggle with and uh, I still struggle a little bit with this, but it used to be really, really, really bad. So I would struggle with PTSD to where it's like, if I'm sitting somewhere or, you know, in a restaurant, you know, you always got to see the door. You got to know where every single exit is. Yeah. What would you do if something bad happened right now? So I would have these scenarios in my mind um, that a lot of people that are war veterans, you know, yeah. they have those scenarios or officers have those scenarios running through their minds. Uh, just as just as second nature. So I would I would think about that 24 seven. Mm. I'd be in the movie theaters, you know, thinking what yeah. would I do if a, if a gunman walked in right now? So I, there's so many things that I struggled with. Um, that I realized when I truly forgave in my heart, um, you know, a lot of that, those fears went away. Um, so that, that's another really big thing that helped me out in my life uh, as a result of the forgiveness that I shared um, yeah. after losing my mom. Yeah, you were just 18 at the time. So young, had to grow up so quickly. And I think forgiveness is the hardest thing to do in that situation. Actually, probably the more human natural feeling is hate, anger, bitterness, confusion. Did you ever feel that like hate towards Dylan Roof, towards the situation, towards white males, like you mentioned, or were you kind of like able to sit in a space of forgiveness? What did that look like for you, especially being so young at the time? 
Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about age, it's all subjective. So, you know, young for me growing up pretty quickly at 18 is different. My brother was 12 when he lost his mom and 13 when he lost his dad. So I feel like he grew up even quicker than I did, right? There's some kids in different countries that have, you know, have to walk two miles to get water for their family when they're eight years old. So mm-hmm. I have this mindset of it. It's like, it's all subjective. And so uh, in my life, being 18 years young, um, when I lost my mom, the first thing that I thought about was how in the world am I going to take care of my brother and sister? Yeah. You know, how am I going to be able to provide for them? How am I going to be able to do the things my mom did for them? Um, will I ever be able to? Will we ever be okay? So there was so much fear. I don't think there was time for me to sit in, in, in hatred or sit in, you know, being, uh, I guess, deceitful and all those different right. things that I feel like I could have been. Uh, and, but I, I think for me, mainly when mm-hmm. I lost my mom, it was figuring out what do I do next for my brother and sister? Mm. And then after that, I will say that there is still some, I'm still upset about it, right? People yeah. ask me silly questions like, hey, Chris, if you could change anything in the world, would you would you change what happened to you? I'm like, absolutely, I change what happened right. to my, my mom. Right. I want her here, right? There's, right. You know, and, and I've heard the saying, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I understand that to a certain extent, but I would definitely love to have my mom back. Right. <laughs> um, so, it definitely was tough, but I never gave myself the opportunity to, 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 to sit in that hatred. It was all about how do I uh, turn this for the better for my family? And how do I, you know, pull from this pain to make it my purpose? Yeah, I guess I have two questions following up that I did want to talk about. Maybe that pressure or responsibility you felt for your younger brother and sister because they were so, so young. I say you were young. You're right. Your brother and sister were so, so young, but you kind of say you went into like, almost like big brother mode where you're like, what do I do for them? Do you think you were able to process losing your mom and the hurt and the grief? Or did it take you a while because you felt like you put your, because you put yourself on the back burner to take care of your family first? Yeah, this is, this is a really good, that's a really good question. Um, I think it happens all the time when people lose a significant other, they lose a spouse or they lose a parent or, you know, a parent loses a kid other kids so like they always think okay I want to take care of everybody else and they put their their feelings on the back burner right. just like you mentioned I did the exact same thing mm-hmm. you know in my case everybody's looking at me Chris you're so strong you're so strong you're so strong right. and for me I'm like okay well that means I have to keep being strong what does that even yeah. mean what does being strong mean does that mean I right. can't does that mean I can't cry does it mean I can't like what does that even mean um and I, I struggled with that for a while yeah. but then it was about a year and a half after my mom was was killed that I lost my father Right. And I finally let my emotions out. And when I let my emotion out, um, it basically was freeing for not only me, but for my brother and sister to see, hey, you don't have to be a robot to be strong in his life. You yeah. can be vulnerable. You can sh- show your, you know, share your emotions and be, just be a human. Um, and you can yeah. still be strong while doing that. And uh, I mm-hmm. think I definitely did make the, the mistake at first of uh, pretending like it was all sunshine and rainbows. And I was so strong, even though that was just being a a robot, not a real human being. Yeah, I think it's hard too, because at the time, again, 18, I keep wanting to say you were young and you're like, hey, I I had to grow up fast, but you were doing so many interviews, national television, going all over the place. But how are your brother and sister, Cameron and Caleb, right? How are they now? Want to check in on them? How are they doing? They're good. You know, one of the things that I think is uh, um, is worth mentioning is that, you know, when you when you go through something that traumatic, it's not like, hey, after a year, 
where after five years, you know, it's it's in the wind, right? Mm. Um, because every single day you, you know, you have new, you make new memories and you yeah. wish that your, the person that you lost was there, yeah. is there to make those memories with you. Um, and so my sister's doing well. I think um, she struggles here and there, yeah. just like I struggle here, here and there. Right. Uh, but she's a, she's a senior at Claflin, yeah. about to graduate college this year. Uh, my brother is a freshman at Lander playing baseball. So he's doing well, uh, just, just as my sister is. Um, but my, my thing is this, unfortunately, bad things are going to happen to a lot of good people in this life, right? Yeah. I always mention it to the people that I share with, you know, if you haven't experienced anything traumatic just yet, uh, not to wish that upon anybody, yeah. but you know, real life happens to nice. everybody just at different stages. Mm. Um, and, and so brace yourself. The promise isn't that it's not going to happen, right? I always say, you know, when we read the good book and when we pray, uh, my prayers are for guidance. My prayers are for discernment. Um, my prayers are for strength when I face those challenges, because um, in the Bible, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face those trials of many kinds. It doesn't say if. And so we should know that they're coming. Uh, so yeah. be ready and uh, be equipped and, and know how to get through them. So for someone like you, who you've now made it your livelihood to talk to people basically to share your story to speak in front of hundreds of people at a time sometimes and almost every day you know you're talking about your mom you're talking about how young you are you lost your father you have some hard stuff that happened and you talk about it every day and sometimes I think we almost get in this like routine of like maybe you have your kind of go-to speeches or things that you talk about but is there ever a time where you're like, gosh, this is hard. Like this hurts to talk about my mom today because I miss her. Like, yeah, like you're strong and you're tough and like, you've got this. But like you said, you're like, sometimes I still struggle. Like sometimes this stuff is still hard. Well, you know what, Danielle, I think for me, I don't think about uh, the, the sad moments as being uh, something negative. What mm -hmm. I think about now is those moments are memories for me. I don't ever want to feel like I don't miss my mom anymore. I don't ever want to yeah. feel that way. I want to, I want to miss her forever. And I think if we stopped our, if we change our perspective and saying, Hey, instead of me feeling bad about this happening or that happening, like, I just think about the memory and I'm glad I still feel that connection with them, that it makes me yeah. want to cry sometimes. Right. Um, with that being said, it, it's also therapeutic for me. And uh, obviously in the Bible says, don't grow weary and well-doing. And so, although I do share a lot of the same stuff and this, this grand mission, a lot of times, uh, what's different is the stories that I hear. And I'll share one with you that happened yesterday. Yeah. I was at a school and I got done sharing. And a lot of times what students will do, whether they're, you know, 18 years old or whether they're 15 or 12 years old, mm -hmm. they'll share their trauma with me. And they mm -hmm. say, man, Chris, Chris has gone through so much. Let me share what I've gone through. Yeah. And a kid yesterday said, uh, Chris, I'm just like you. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I've uh, gone through some, some, some rough stuff. I said, tell me what it is. I could tell he wanted to share it with me. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said my, my aunt got shot just like your mom did. And I said, oh man, that's terrible to hear. He said, yeah, man, I was there. I said, okay, is your aunt doing okay? He said, nah, man, she, she was killed that day. And I saw her get shot. She got shot in the back of the head. And he says this to me in front of all the students. And I could tell he had never shared that with anybody before. 
And so when I think about me getting tired on the road mm. or, you know, me thinking, man, it's a tough day. I can't, I can't stop. I can't stop sharing this wow. because there's somebody out there that says, man, I need to pull from the strength that Chris is pouring out. I need that yeah. to keep going. And this kid needed it. So uh, I think sometimes it is, it is hard, but when I hear things like that, it just keeps pushing me to, to keep doing the work that I'm doing. I love that you just said that and shared that. I think there can be so much comfort and healing talking about whatever it is in life, what, you know, sickness or losing someone that you love, like sharing that, finding community and that can be comforting. Like, hey, I'm not the only one that's gone through this. And like you mentioned, you're talking to students and grown adults alike that are connecting with you unfortunately, right? Like, I hate that he's like, I've lost someone that I love, but what do you say when you say you were talking to this student or for people listening here that are like, man, I've lost someone. I'm struggling with forgiveness. I'm still in a lot of pain. Like, what do you share with them? Yeah. So I'd say initially, if you want to forgive somebody, you have to figure out what's on the other side of it for you. Right. So uh, one of the things I first say is we need to share out of our mouths orally, like I forgive Dylan Roof for taking my mom and other people. I forgive him because I know that's going to allow me to be a great father and not consistently think about how I can get back at him. Yeah. And I can be a great husband to my wife while not giving him the, my, my thoughts and I can give yeah. that to my family and my mission, right? So there's something on the other side of it for me. And we've got to figure out what's on the other side for them. Uh, another thing I'd say is if you if you're experiencing a loss, if you're experiencing like I just feel like you know something's not right, the first thing that we can always do is serve somebody or some uh, mission that's a lot greater than ourselves. I've never volunteered somewhere and felt worse afterwards, right? If I feel bad, if I feel bad, I feel like I'm not in a good spirit. I've never served and gone to the, like the uh, Low Country Orphan Relief and felt worse after I left. No, you, you you're gonna feel better because man, I feel like I. I know I'm going through a tough time right now, but man, these kids don't even have socks. Like, you know, I, I, I know I can do better, right? Another thing, I'm just gonna keep rattling some things off give that on, I think people- Give them to me, please. People, people can do. So we've, we've gotta have, we've gotta be able to do something with our story, with our pain. Like, what can we do with it? If you lost somebody due to cancer, right? Can you run a 5K in their memory every year mm -hmm. and wear their name on your shirt so you remember them? Right, if you, if you, you know, lost somebody to gun violence, can you, uh, make sure you go to whatever, sign whatever petition it is that mm -hmm. you're trying to get uh, passed or, you know, mm -hmm. join a nonprofit board that helps with metal detectors in schools or what, whatever it may be. Right. Like, there has to be a, a purpose behind what you went through. And once mm -hmm. you find that, once you say, okay, every year I do this in their memory, uh, it's going to help you in that grieving process. And for me, it's sharing my, my truth, sharing my story, sharing the things I've gone through, yeah. and this mission that I have. Maybe for you, it's this podcast, right? You be, yeah. You're able to get out your thoughts. And, you know, I think everybody needs something. Everybody needs to do something to remember uh, or just to put some purpose behind that pain that they have. Mm, I agree with you. I mean, that's the whole reason, right? I'm doing this is like, I have stuff that I've gone through. Like I have things in my life that I've learned after holding in and doing by myself, I've shared and we started talking about it and I found comfort and relief and like community. And I mean, you've already attested to you sharing your story. And I don't want to say story, like sharing your life, like 
sharing what you've been through, sharing your feelings and your thoughts. Like that's like real stuff, right? It's not a made up story. Like it has already touched so many people. Tell me looking forward, what is the dream for Chris Singleton? What, what does it mean? I know in all of this, you are like honoring your mom and goodness. Like, I don't think I'd be the only one to say it's beyond impressive, you know, who you are, how God has used you and what he's doing through you. But what's the dream for you? Yeah, I think, uh, number one, I'm on this mission now. Obviously, my mission is about unity, about us coming together. There's another mission that I'm on. I'm trying to win in every single aspect of my life. So what success looks like to me is a guy that can provide for his family financially, a guy that is great with his relationships spiritually. He's in tune in, in the word. He's able to be a provider, priest, protector for his family and, and others, right? Uh, he's able to, to give, right, a lot. And then also, like, physically and mentally, he's stable. So some people's success means, hey, I make $5 million a year, right. but my wife hates me, and, you know, I never see my kids. That's some people's success, like, in real life, which is okay, right. but that's not successful to me, right? right? Some people say, Chris, I don't care if I can never make above $10,000 a year. I'll live on the streets, but I'm connected to you know, my mental health, like, oh, like, Mm. that's really cool. But I want to win in every single aspect of my life. And it's really hard to do that. Mm. It is really tough. Because usually what you'll see is, hey, for the guy that is able to work out, he has a great body, right? He works Mm. out, you know, three times a day. You know, he's not able to provide financially this way, or he's not able to read his Bible in this way. He's not able to spend time with his family in this way. Mm -hmm. Or the guy that is on the road a lot like me, how can I still win with my relationships with my kids, with my wife, with those things? So I guess my mission is pretty simple. I have a perfect year and my perfect year, I'll make the money I want to make. I'll give the money I want to give. I'll be in the word. I'll read the book of Proverbs at least three times through. I'll read my Bible and pray every single day. I wake up at 6 a.m. every single day. I eat a vegetable every single day. Like there's so many things that I I think uh, will allow me to be successful. And I want to show people you can win in every aspect. Don't think that you have to make, you know, $10,000 a year because you you love the Lord and you want to be a great husband. Or, or don't think you have to be gone and, you know, never be a good husband, but you can make a lot of money. No, you can win in every aspect. And I want to show that to people. Um, I love I love speaking the way that I do. But, mm-hmm. you know, I won't do this forever. I won't be on the road 150 days out of the year forever. Uh, right. I want to see my son's basketball games and baseball games. Yeah. Um, so so I think what's next for me is trying to continue to win in every aspect and showing people that it's possible. Yeah, I love that. I know our time is coming to an end, but I think I would not be doing your time and this conversation justice if I don't bring up because I know something you're so passionate about, but you do speak a lot about is racial reconciliation and justice and I felt like I needed to bring that up to you. I am asking you, someone who lost their mom because of the ultimate injustice, what does that look like for you? We're now in 2022. I feel like the world is still trying to stand straight after 2020 and 2021. And so what does that look like for you? And maybe in like bite-sized pieces of like what it means to us at home and what we can do. Yeah, well, number one, Danielle, I think everybody needs to have somebody that they can go to and ask a question like this. So you say, hey, before you take this the wrong way, let me ask you this. Mm 
yeah. right? If you don't have a friend you can say that to, then you need to start there, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I'm not Jewish. I don't, I don't really know a ton of stuff about right. people that are, are that way of practice that faith. And so right. I don't know what orthodox or unorthodox or whatever it may be, but I have a friend I can go to and say, hey, yeah. before you take this the wrong way, let me ask you this real quick, right? Yeah. Give me your feedback. And, what are your thoughts? And he, yeah, and he can share that mm -hmm. with me. Just like he's like, Chris, you know, yeah. don't take this the wrong way, but let me ask you this. Should I call you black guy or African-American or like, what yeah. should I call you, man? I got no idea. But he's my friend, and so I can share that with him. Right. And so I'd say, number one, uh, if you're starting at home, I'd say, make sure you have a person that you can ask, uh, um, how should I put it? Uh, don't take this the wrong way type of question yeah. too. Yeah, um, just open, honest, <laughs> no judgment. It's very hard to be politically correct all the time. Right. And, and, if, and if you're trying to be, you're gonna fail, but yeah. people need to know your heart. And if you've got a pure heart and with good intentions, then you'll mess up because we always do but mm -hmm. people won't cancel you or they won't, you know, delete you from the, from the, their friendship right. because they know right. uh, where you stand. Right. All right. Last question for you, Chris. I've been so inspired by you, by your ability to forgive, by your ability to inspire. So on this topic of race, racial tension, as a Christian, you know, I know that we are in a world where not everyone knows and loves Jesus and we're all sinners and there is no such thing as perfect, which sucks, but that's the world we live in, right? Like, is there hope? You know, I think it's been a hard year. And do you think that there's hope for peace, for unity? I know that's your mission, right? Love is stronger than hate. Unity, we are better together. What do you got for me? Give me some, give me some hope to leave this conversation, Chris. Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely hope. We need to, we need to, as believers, I believe, as believers, I believe that sounds good. <laughs> I think, you know, as believers, we should, number one, stop focusing on the things that the world is sharing. So the, the world is sharing mm -hmm. right now that divisiveness is so in right now. It's selling like crazy, right? Yeah. Trauma and like, you know, you know, talking bad about one another. That is the number one seller right now. As believers, we need to shut that off. We need to celebrate the little girl that's, you know, selling Girl Scout cookies and made $100,000 to you know, yeah. give to kids fighting cancer. We need to celebrate that kind of stuff. We need mm -hmm. to celebrate the good stories of the kids selling lemonade so that they can, you know, go to a trip to Japan as a missionary. Like yeah. we need to celebrate that kind of stuff instead of all the bad stuff that the world is feeding us. And I think when we start there as believers, we'll realize we're, we're a lot more alike than we are uh, different. And uh, one of my, my things is, you know, we're not perfect. We're all, you know, hopefully believers, sinners saved by grace, but Right. We should all we have we have the example of what perfect look looks like. Yeah. And uh, and that means loving every single person, whether they're homeless, whether they're uh, black, white, Mexican, Asian, Brazilian, it doesn't matter where right. they what they look like or where they're from. We need to love them like Jesus does. Mm. Love is stronger than hate. Right, Chris. Love Amen. that. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your insight, for your inspiration. I have gained so much for this from this conversation. I'm sure everyone listening in is going to as well. But of course, thank you for being real.